Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Janelli, and if you color shifted me white black, I've paywalled the wiki. I'm Lorelai Weisel, and if you color shifted me over to white, I would be among the legions of Oliver Farrell's crazy fanatical cultists, Nikasha. <laughs> I'm Brian Dawes, and if you color shifted me to be a Demir agent, I'd lie and steal and do all sorts of mean things, I guess. <laughs> I'm Ashley Barrow, and if you color shifted me to blue, because I guess I'm on a red, I would be super organized, I would get all my work done on time, I'd go to bed on time, I'd get up early, and I would eat vegetables. <laughs> Eating vegetables was the important part there. I'm Carrie Thomas, and if you color shifted me to anything besides red, I would care less about the joy that I get from these posts. <laughs> <laughs> so this week is our second mailbag episode. We have a few uh, that we've been holding on to for a while that we haven't answered yet. And we put out a call for a bunch of new ones. But before we get to that, we do have a little bit of news about on the Vorthos front about what's coming out. First of all, The Gathering Storm by Django Wexler, which is the name of the War of the Spark prequel stories. They begin the first week in June. It's 20 weekly chapters, and you need to make sure that you're signed up for the Del Rey email list uh, in order to get them. And we will link that with the show notes. They also announced a new Chandra comic, another micro-series, which IDW tends to do, four issues long, called Chandra Trials of Alara, where Jace joins her in defending this small village, and uh, something more happens, and we don't know what that something more is yet. They go on a date. Previews have started, but ours isn't out until the 30th. So if you follow us and you're listening to this, this Thursday, you will get to hear all about the Vorthos cast's preview. Preview for what, Jay? Modern Horizons. It took me like five seconds to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> to recall what set is current. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? So let's start our feature of the week. Yet another mailbag episode. Uh, we you actually can't call it that because that's what I ended up naming last week's episode. So so we're on um, mailbag episode three kingdoms. <laughs> All right, mailbag episode three kingdoms. So the first question comes from the little the e little e on Twitter. Can you help figure out what happened to Alara after the conflux? Is it one plane that's mashed all the colors together? Is it still shards somehow? Is it one plane with areas that still resemble the shards? And this is a little bit confusing. Carrie, I think you and I have tried to address this in the past, but yeah, basically we haven't been back to Alara enough for sure. So basically how it proceeds in the novel is once the conflux happens, it is pieces of a pie getting smashed together. Like just imagine five separate slices probably not fitting together too smoothly. Um, based on the interactions, but there are clearly defined borders to the areas for each of the shards. And then by the time that Bolas is actually like, well, Malfagor is marching the army across um, Esper deserts and Bolas moves to the maelstrom to actually harvest everything, 
things are popping up in places they shouldn't be, which is how you get stuff like Reliquary Tower in the middle of an Esper ocean. Yeah, it's it pretty cleanly went from the pie slice structure all getting smashed together to everything just being kind of mashed into one area. As for whether it's moved on from the shard identities, it did kind of slightly in the cards, but we haven't actually seen that in the world building. It was still pretty, or still predominantly shard-driven last we saw. Yeah, we've seen a couple elements. Um, there was the stone killer stories about young Kalia that involved a, there was still a Grixis demon cult, but they were now roaming around Alara, and she was from a Bant village that had been dislodged from the rest of Bant, but the village was still a bunch of people, and there was a colony of Naya uh, cat people that were nearby. So there, there's still some cultural things that are still chunks of individual cultures, but everything's kind of smooshed up in patchwork now, so there's a lot of conflicts. So there's probably, it's best to think of it that there's probably big chunks that are like the original, uh, the original shards. For instance, in the Chandra comic, we see Jess, uh, which is one of the, uh, is it the island nation or the coastal nation in Band? Uh, Jess, I believe, is the island. That's the one with the sailors and thieves? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we see a little bit of that. So we know, like, the nations of Bant still stand, even if the borders are not quite even <laughs> there's a there's a lot of blending in near the borders and little bits and pieces popping up everywhere that don't really belong where they where they are so let's move on to the next question this is from we will keep watch on tumblr hey all i had a specific question about phyrexians i wanted to ask specifically the ones on mirrodin i remember a detail in a story at some point that hinted about elish norn knowing about other planes why is that while trying to figure it out, I remembered that the card Venser's Journal. I remembered the card Venser's Journal and its flavor text. Is it possible that the Phyrexians know of other worlds because of this journal? Yes, but retroactively. <laughs> so there are two layers of this, which are basically Jin Jetaxius understands that Memnarch pulled people through with soul traps, so Jin seems to be fully aware of interplanar travel and that there are worlds outside of there and was trying to reverse engineer that the last we saw as for Venser's journal it unsurprisingly along with many other things in Mirrodin did not come up during the novel Venser didn't seem to take anything with him during um, gathering forces which was the scars of Mirrodin prelude comic and then we got the card for it so the disconnect between the story and the cards was for a while we just never heard about Fencer's journal and then there was a card for it that was obviously a plant for the Phyrexians to be able to develop interplanar technology and then it got formally acknowledged in the story with Elspeth's letter to Ajani I can't remember which story that is the lost confession the lost confession and so Vincer's journal is 100% canon. It is. It has the notes for his travels to other worlds and assumingly some of his interplanar technology that he was developing on Dominaria. So they do have access to that. 
I don't remember if Ellis Norn is explicitly stated to do that, but they were also like the Praetors were hanging out with Tezzeret last we heard. So it's not impossible that Tezzeret just spilled the beans and maybe offered up a planar bitch solution. So yeah, there are a few things going on here. One, there are some ancestral memories of Phyrexia through, well, one of two things are happening. Either... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to go into confusing. the synthesis, yeah. So I think the simplest answer is that they had Karn corrupted and confused for a very long time. And we know Karn would just like utter things and they would write it down. So they probably have some knowledge from Karn. There's also, you know, they're in the core, probably with Memnarch's old work. We know they have access to the old soul traps. So them knowing about other planes is not a stretch, considering how many planeswalkers have been in and out of there, how many uh, potential <laughs> ways for them to get that info. There, there's just so many. It, 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 I don't even think we need to narrow it down to just specifically the journal. Although the journal does have for um interplanar technology on it there's talk about how the oil somehow has knowledge of past phyrexia <laughs> yeah yeah it's that one's a little difficult but it's yeah supposed to be the ancestral memory as jay alluded to of yogmoth as the creator and past phyrexian efforts and failures yeah, it's like engineered Frexian instinct is, is, I think, the best way to describe the way that part of the oil works. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff with New Frexia and, like... Not all of it's canon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's the kind of thing where, where I hope, um, if in pro probably when, we'll probably see Frexia again. They're, like, the most popular villains. Uh, whenever we see New Frexia again, like, just, just pick a thing and go with it. Or don't address it at all and just let the community fill in whatever of these abs absurd versions they want to believe is real. That's what fanfiction is for. Yes. <laughs> Alright, so let's move on from this one to a question from the Skunk Catcher on Tumblr. Is the scene depicted on Soren's Thirst for more of the Spark a continuity error? Based on the novel, I don't believe that Soren and Nahiri would have been fighting until after Bolas's statue fell. So this is a good question, because this is something that's tripped people up a lot with War of the Spark. But the answer is no, because of the kind of the same reason we were just talking about with Venser's journal. There's a disconnect between the story and the cards at some levels. The story needs to be able to convey story moments through individual cards on in cool settings it is more poetic versions of canon than strict canon things that you'll see in the text so when you're looking at it keep in mind that the target audience for the card art isn't just the people who've also read the novel it's for everyone and it needs to convey cool scenes plot points and things along those lines uh, and sometimes does it in ways that don't quite line up to exactly what is happening in the text fiction. So the fight still happened, uh, but obviously the, the timeline of events doesn't necessarily have them fighting on Bolas's statue. 
in the cards it's representing having them fight on top of the statue has it represent that you know bolus is here they recognize he's here and they're still fighting each other anyway i mean there's also a card with fibblethip up there and yeah fibblethip is fine he's it's fine it's just a joke so let's move on the next one is from twitter from nerish mareborn what is one legendary creature that has been previously printed that you would like to uh you would like a more flavor accurate representation in a revisit? Volrath. Volrath yeah. all the way. Rosewater had a great article on the origins of the cards for all the Weatherlight crew and um his part about Volrath just reveals all the things that I've always hated about his card. He he didn't get a card despite being like the main villain in the Tempest block. He didn't get a card till Nemesis. Um, it was mono black instead of blue black, which is his appropriate color identity because R&D just wasn't doing a lot of multicolor cards at the time. And like he has this, he's a shapeshifter and like steals people's identities, but he has this weird, like he's mono black. So he has this weird shade ability where he can discard a creature card and get a boost. And like none, nothing on that card makes sense um, for Volrath as a character. And Volrath is cool. Like, like he doesn't, he gets to be a like a black centered character. I, I think his personality is more black. A lot of the blue is from his power set and his desire for knowledge. Like Volrath is just also just really curious. He brings the slivers to Wrath because they seemed interesting and he wants to see like how their shape shifting abilities work because he's just curious about stuff. Um, I think he's a cool villain and his card is just garbo weird. It's so. Uh, Thankfully, as we've seen in Modern Horizons with Sisse and we saw previously with Miri's new card and now Joyra's card from uh, Dominaria last year, like, Watsi is all about taking characters who had crappy legends before and giving them good cards now. And, like, just just give me give me the blue-black Volrath. I have, I, have, I have not built a blue-black commander deck yet because I am waiting for the day where we get a good Volrath and I will build a deck for him because he's so cool. So, uh, Brian, what about you? Um, I would say that I want a Dominarian Eladomri. The mono-green Eladomri from... What's we call it? What <laughs> I knew it would be that. Was it... Uh, I can't remember what set he's from. I think it's uh, Vision. Not Visions. Um, it's a Prophecy? Yeah. No, I don't think it's prophecy. I think. Was it Wrath. also Nemesis? I think, it's Wrath. I think it's Wrath. Was it Tempest? No, Tempest. It's Tempest. I just looked it up. Yeah, we're sitting here guessing, and we have access to computers. So, <laughs> I would like a version of Eladomri that shows him taking leadership on Dominaria, um, not just being a, a uniter of elves, but a uniter of peoples. Um, but that's just me being selfish. Mine's easy. GG, easy. I want a different version of Ishkana, Graft Widow, um, because I don't really like the implication that spiders are pack hunters based on her ability. They wouldn't really work together to take something down. In fact, they'd more likely go after each other. I do like that she has a <laughs> bunch of babies, though. That, I feel, is very accurate to spiders. For me, I would want a better limb duel. I mean, obviously, limb duel the Necromancer. Because, but not just because his first card, his first card was flavorful, 
but it was also unplayable. Like, even in Commander, seven black mana is a lot for what he offers. And what he offers is a triggered ability you have to pay two for that we got in um, Return to Ravnica with Grave Betrayal, where he basically has the same ability as Grave Betrayal, except you have to pay for it. Grave Betrayal costs the same as Limduel, and Grave Betrayal brings it back into play with a plus one, plus one counter. Yeah, that card's messed up, though. <laughs> well, it's just like... Uh, give me like a cheaper limb duel with something closer to like Gisa and Geralf's ability, Gisa and Geralf's ability, however the heck you say their name. Just, he's just so expensive and basically unplayable, but I would really love to be able to play him in a deck. I'd love to see a limb duel that actually like builds a zombie army. Yeah, that would be great. Just like, just do the thing. If only there was some kind of amassing mechanic. we have so many legendary necromancers that are really good at least really playable that limduel is just he's he's a huge disappointment all right carrie now you're up i will do a easy answer which is mishra and hopefully it's solved yeah by the time that this podcast comes out maybe but like (laughs) seriously i would just actually want something like i think a lot of the appeal to legendary creatures is being playable in commander and this one is just so very very restrictive that it just deserves a new version in time spiral mishra's defense commander wasn't a thing when they made the card um i think the card's cool but but i think like like i agreed like now looking at what commander is like you just you just have to do redo Mishra because unless you're doing like possibility storm combo shenanigans, like there's no point in playing him in commander. And I feel like even small stuff like Colagon not being super duper playable in commander was still upsetting nowadays. So you just kinda push it push it more into that space. Dragon Lord Colagon. Dragon Lord, not the original. Yeah. And and like I'm more okay with Dragon Lord like not every legend has to be for commander and like it's super okay for dragon lord Colagon to not be for commander because Colagon the storm's fury came out three months before and is awesome in commander so it's <laughs> it's not like you still get a version of that character who's still good in the format there's just no other mishra card he has the one card and it's nearly unplayable so our next question comes from Granticus 3000. It's similar to the last one, so that's why I placed them next to each other. If you could see any legendary creature from any magic story get a card that doesn't already have one, who would you pick? Yogmoth. Easy. 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 So Brian says Yogmoth. Lorelai? No, it's this is Grover, the bartending Ironwood Treefolk oh from Tapestries and um, Distant Plains. <laughs> oh my God, one of the one of the best canon characters. <laughs> I knew it would be something like that. Uh, Ashley, what about you? Um, I would say Jaya as Mother Ludi. I know that Jaya has a card, but I'd like to see her as a monk and also old. Would you want it to be a legendary creature card or still a planeswalker? 
Um, I'd say legendary creature because she's kind of that's that's a secret at that point. He's keeping in the, the vein deal. of blind seer or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. That could be pretty that's, cool. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Carrie, Lushrak. I. That's a good one. But as a legendary creature? No, as a legendary land. No. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> or legendary artifact <laughs> mask. Like Le- legendary land. Um, Talon Gates Lushrak. Yeah. No, Lushrak is just cool, and I'm very into disgusting Ratman character design as proven <laughs> by Junkrat Overwatch. So I did not know we were including Planeswalkers in this question, by the way. Uh, yeah, that he did. Oh, legendary creature from any magic story? Yeah, it's legendary yeah. creature. I'll revise my answer then. Um, give me a minute, actually. You can hop to somebody else. All right. So mine would be Ashnod, because at this point we have Thanos, Felden, Titania, uh, Mishra, and Urza all have legendary creature cards. Ashnod is the last artificer from the Brothers War, one of the major, major players uh, to not have gotten a card. And she has such cool flavor and like Ashnod's altar is such a great card that I I would really like to see a a legendary riff on this character. Yeah, then pretty much the only character we need left uh from that era is uh Lauren. Lauren, well there are actually a few like Herkel, uh the the like the first wizard on Teresier. Well, I was going to set up a Lauren dies joke, but I guess you have to have real answers. Caleb and Krug, you know, she was she was a badass leader. Like, you know, Urza controlled the army, but Kayla was the, the queen. And Gix. Gix, yeah. More importantly than her being a badass leader is being an awesome historian. Telling her <laughs> hubby's crappy story accurately to the masses. <laughs> um, Gix, Gix, definitely. Gix is cool. I hope he's Torok. So, Carrie, do you have one? Yes. I would like the famous Regothan Heliod, and I would like him to be a legendary creature card. Zanara optional, naturally. And, yeah, we'll just see if he ever gets a legendary creature card, because he hasn't up to this point. <laughs> What's up? All right. (laughs) Moving on. This one is from Spreewald Fuchs. So what exactly happened when Wrath was overlaid? Like, if I was just a normal Dominaria person, what would I see? Uh, I think the simple answer is, like, they just kind of... Phyrexians just kind of shimmered into being when the overlay happened. Like, what happened with the overlay wasn't like a portal, like you would see a portal opening. It was like Wrath itself formed into the shape of Dominaria to overlay perfectly. So, like, all of a sudden, this field was empty, and then, like, all these Phyrexians materialize on the field because they were in Wrath in the area that had perfectly mimicked it. The The biggest example of that is the entire Sky Shroud Forest appearing in Keld, being really unstable, and everyone around being like, holy crap, what's going on? What is this? What is happening? Everything is falling apart. Reality is, like, breaking. Oh, no. And then Fraley's saying, I guess I'm a planeswalker. I can stabilize this. 
and accidentally tearing a hole in the multiverse. Oops. Looking back on that, the metafixes of this of that whole event makes no sense because something like that seems like it should be something like a a planeswalker kind of ability, and we all know that's what Yawgmoth was after being being able to planeswalk, but. The story implications of that, it just makes no sense of him being able to do that or them being able to... It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something that should be possible. Flowstone just works, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I get the Flowstone. I'm talking about how it overlays over Dominaria. I yeah. love those novels, but that was one of the one things that always irks me. Is like, if Yawgmoth was always after the ability to planeswalk, how was he able to pull that off? And also, Wrath just appeared out of nowhere one day. For him to do all this. So here's what his plan should have been. He should have like fashioned himself into liquid metal. And then built a surfboard out of flowstone. And he would just have like phenomenal cosmic powers. And be able to just like so zip around. So our next question <laughs> comes from. <laughs> and he could be voiced by Paul Bettany. I'm sorry Jay. I'm sorry. <laughs> so our next question comes from WWJPOT. Uh, what is the deal with the cosmic larva on Mirrodin? Okay, oh, you're the you're gonna. I'm gonna let you finish this question. You're gonna stop my Silver Surfer joke to go into a cosmic larva <laughs> question. Come on. Okay, read the question, and then I will get more angry. The flavor text implies they can travel the planes. What are they growing up to become? I like to think they are merit lage babies. Yes, <laughs> they've been completed to form a double big bad gatewatch enemy. And the answer, and we've talked about this a little bit before, the answer is, no, it was just kind of this idea for these eldritch beings capable of traveling between worlds that existed before the Eldrazi were concepted. Uh, we've talked before about how beings of sufficient power could survive trips in the blind eternities. So the, whatever the cosmic larvae are, they are one of those beings, and you will probably never see one again. It's literally a piece of concept art that they threw onto the set because they literally just needed more art because they didn't have time to make more art because Mirrodin was so weird and new, so they just took concept art, threw it on cards. This is on there. The flavor text is there to explain why they look so weird and out of place on Mirrodin, and I hate it so much. I hey, hate it. Hey, hey. Why are we assuming in this question that Merit Lage would be an enemy of the Gatewatch? What has she ever That's done? That's a fair point. Like, we what don't know if What has she ever done? Interests... She could join. She's literally done nothing. All we know is that she was imprisoned, and we don't even know why. Yeah, like, for all we know, she's the victim here, and she's a very nice person. So, the next question, speaking, uh, speaking of Lorelai's hate, the next question God. is from pkinter13 on Twitter. Uh, the abridged history of why everyone in the modern story who ever met him hates Urza. And I believe the simple answer is he's a dick. No, he, Urza's the worst. Like, he is the biggest jerk probably ever because he thinks he's not a jerk. And that's just, like, the biggest crime. He thinks he's doing everything in the name of the greater good and his way is the only way to defeat phyrexia and so therefore he is justified in every action he takes to defeat phyrexia and then he gets seduced by phyrexia anyway and he does a genocide and he does all this eugenics and he uses people like tools and he denies karn's personhood and there's just so many 
so many awful things about him. And he's not even that great of an artificer. Like, he's pretty good, but, like, so many of his designs are just stolen from other people. He really does just crib off Thran work a whole lot. In fairness, I don't think Karn hates him. I think Karn... Is him. Mm. <laughs> it, kind of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry you're, you're, you're almost right. Like, Karn learns in a way that Urza never did, but I think there are parts of Karn that are, that are nascent Urza, but I think he's a little bit more able to take guidance from other people than Urza ever was. But I do think that Arn, Karn has a much deeper, like, mo- all of the people who knew Urza respected him on some level um they might not have liked him but they understood what he was doing and but he was a jerk and all of the human people who remain that knew him did think that he was a jerk but i do think that karn didn't doesn't necessarily dislike him but karn is also the one person or being that would be able to hyper rationalize everything that urza did and see the good in it as as well as see the bad I think that's a good answer. Next question comes from Marquez, the GM on Twitter. Who is your favorite planeswalker and what fast food establishment would they eat at? Oh, it's Kiora. She eats at Long John Silver's because she's a merfolk. So she eats a lot of fish. It's easy. Done. Uh, so for me, it would be Doretti. And he really feels like a Popeye's chicken kind of guy. My favorite planeswalker is Freya Lise. Um, where she would eat at, I don't think she's vegetarian by any means. Um, but I do think that... That's, that's, that's a really good question. Um, where she I don't think Freya Lise would eat fast food. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, it would have to be the highest of the highbrow fast food places. So maybe um, something... Oh gosh, maybe somewhere like Panera. Panera, no, Panera is perfect. Yes, I, 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 yeah, I, I like. Can... I'm sorry, people. Panera is fast food. Yeah, it is um, fast food. It's but... pretty good for fast food, but like, it's basically a fast. food Oh, place. that should be my answer because it's Italian. Ah, Panera is Italian for bread. Really? It's just bread store. You you eat at a restaurant called Bread Bread. Congratulations, morons. <laughs> <laughs> It's like drinking chai tea. Wow. Sorry. I was going to say Chandra Chipotle. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Oh, well, that stole the thunder from mine, which was less rack Chipotle. (laughs) 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 All right. The next question comes from... So, Kara, you're saying your favorite planeswalker is Lashrac? Yeah. Lashrac's a troll. I get it. No, I just like him a whole bunch. No, no, I no, I agree with you. He's really cool. I it, like He's a great character. I have talked a lot about how much I enjoy his villain banter in the Armana comics and then that gets reprised in uh Future Sight. I feel like Future Sight was peak Lushrak characterization. So good. Like his his fight with Bolas is just I one of my favorite things that's ever been written in magic stories. So the next question comes from Queer Vigil on Twitter. Uh, the question is, who was the planeswalker with the shortest in-story lifespan? Referring to characters like Icy, Vronos, the Viachino Walker, 
poor chorus fire eye. (laughs) I think the shortest has to be like the shortest that actually gets a line of dialogue has to be the Viachino Walker who goes, (laughs) what is this? And then immediately dies. Like that's like five to 10 seconds on screen. Disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) Does anyone have anything that would argue with that? No, I can't. So the next question comes from Paper Kaiser on Twitter. What did Argentum look like before it became Mirrodin? And what happened to the Mirari after New Phyrexia? So Argentum, if you want to know what it looked like, uh, look at Precursor Golem. That is what Mirrodin looked like, essentially. It was it was like the Glimmer Void, but all over. It was just a perfect mathematical, tessalized sphere. As to what happened to the Mirari... Uh, it went inert and it disappeared from the story. Disappeared right down a plot hole. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a plot hole, but you know, it just disappeared from the story. I believe it last went into the core of Mirrodin with Glissa, where she's like incubated into New Phyrexia Glissa. So probably not doing too hot if it's still down there. Yeah, I mean, the best description you're gonna get is the post log of the Odyssey. I mean, the onslaught block books. It's not a crazy magical murder sphere anymore, anyway. So, like, it doesn't matter where it is. Uh, they kind of shut the door on the Marari, but people, like, only know it as the murder sphere. And not that it was Memnarch and then Karn fixed it, because none of that showed up in the card set in Mirrodin Block, so. Why do Is It Cyclops have those weird tiny heads? And that's from Sekuar on Twitter. Because they got tiny brains. Next. That's a good one. All right, next one's from Shoeless Monkey. Would Rat Arathia and Rat Ratape get along? Yes. Yes, they would. They are, like, very similar street urchin-y characters. Uh, I think they would absolutely get along. The next one's from at TLA Totem Gaming. Is there an Urcat responsible for the sudden influx of cat creatures among the multiverse? That's Erebo, isn't it? Isn't that what his backstory is? We have Arabo, or Arabo, however you say his name. He is essentially the Urcat. Uh, his description is very similar to being an avatar for cats, like uh, the Ur-Dragon is an avatar for dragons. I feel like they also mechanically sign themselves up for cool cat travel during Amonkhet and then never let it go. So <laughs> here, Here's the thing. If you, you put cat travel into Amonkhet because of the Egyptian thing, and you're being cute. And then players respond and say, hey, I love all these cat cards, and now I want more cat cards. So then you, like, back yourself into having to make more cat cards because it's something people want. And all of a sudden, now there's just tons more cats in Magic. It's just like when you don't get them fixed. (laughs) Wow. I mean, true. Let's 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 move on to the next one. From Podcast Destroy on Twitter. For each of you, who is a character you would like to see a Vivian Reed like story for? I assume that means like a a short character focused story. For me, that would obviously be Doretti. Is probably uh gonna be similar for most of you, but Lorelai, what do you say? Uh I don't feel comfortable answering questions from someone whose handle is podcast destroy, because we are on a podcast and I would like to not be destroyed. I was going to say that, too. My real answer, though, is something I, I had brought up in an episode a couple of weeks ago where I would love to write like a three part episode of a 
pre-mending torrid love affair between Jaya Ballard and Christine of the Woods. Um, my story is definitely about Fraley's in her earlier days and her lordship or godhood over the um, the elves of Lanawar and what she was doing in the time be- between the invasion and the mending. Um, I would say Lavinia. She did get a story about her, but I would like I would like to see more about her. She's I think one of the cooler minor characters and is relevant, I guess. You never know. We might get that in the um, the little prequels for the story because it seems like she's been doing a lot subverting Dovin Bond, so maybe. Carrie, how about you? Mine would be, I know it feels like I'm stuck on this train of thought, but Gideon pre-purifying fire. figuring out what exactly he was stealing my brand here yeah what exactly he was thinking (laughs) signing up for his dad's group (laughs) like i don't know yeah why did why would he join a cult like yeah exactly especially when it's like the most traumatic event of your life and you're just like oh well there's these worlds without gods and um i'm actually gonna sign up for the group tell him like he maybe he didn't know Maybe he's just like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. I would just like to see the thought process of how Heliod and Heliod were connected in his mind, since we will not get that anytime soon. We know that you want to see that. So next one. How does Rav- how does Ravnica produce its food being a city plane? Are there interest- any interesting lore tidbits concerning agriculture on the different planes? I know they're odd questions, but I'm an Iowa farm kid who wants to know. And that's from... Count Telperion? Garrick is a farm kid. Golgari farm everything underground. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's very gross. Yeah, Soylent Green is people on Ravnica. Um, (laughs) Not not literally, but but the people dump their bodies down to the Golgari and food comes back up. Golgari germination isn't just about making saplings. There's like the god of the harvest, whose name escapes me at the moment, on Theros. There are there are some planes that are mostly just idyllic, uh, idyllic farmland planes. Rigatha has a large farmland that's like the white faction, I guess. That's not the city; they just have farms. Since we're on that train of thought, mm, yeah, yeah. Selesnia also has like orchards and things on Ravnica. There's a lot of different ways to get food. And once you get outside of the 10 districts, it's less heavily urbanized. And there's probably room for like rooftop farming and things along those lines for people too. Simic hydroponics. There you go. I mean, I mean that, that, that is canon. Our next question comes from Five Color Dino Mage. What genre, mythology, etc. would you like to see a top-down set based on? Oh, I got a good answer. So my facetious answer is India. Um, <laughs> my, I, I don't know why that's a facetious answer. Yeah, because Kaladesh is not... It's the anime plane with uh, some... Indian seasoning. Yeah, uh, but I would like to see a Western. I love the Western genre. The Wanderer has me excited for a, a kind of Western or Western theme plane. Wait, you're going to talk about being excited for a Western plane and mention the Wanderer instead of Angrath? Yeah. Well, there's Angrath, too. Yeah, Go you're fire. right. You're right. Oh, Angrath would be great. Our literal cowboy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 
I'm torn between another trip to Kamigawa, which I know we'll never get, aka Japan, or... You want a different Japan set? I, I, like, I would prefer to go back to Kamigawa, because I actually like the lore that they established there, but, you know, that's that's me. Or, if we can't do that, I'm all for Norse World. I want to know more about Sasuke. Um, my answer is pretty easy. There's lots of like settings that I'd like to see. Like I'd like to see the Viking world. I'd like to see um, an Arthurian world, or maybe a like actually Celtic world that's not just like Lord of the Rings. Um, but as for genre, okay, here's my answer, and I hope you guys are ready for this. I want to see paperback romance. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm down for it. Sure, I'd like that. My my answer a couple of years ago would have been Mesoamerica World, but then we got Ixalan, and I'm really happy with how Ixalan turned out. And so I guess my answer is New Jersey World. I'll have Kevin Smith as a planeswalker, oh legendary quick stop land, Jane Silent Bob as partner commanders. It'll be great. <laughs> I am fully on board with pretty much anything listed. I I think among the most common among the most common requests. Waterworld is like it feels very uninspired um and i'd much rather do wild west or call time slash viking world sometime sooner rather than later okay carrie listen Waterworld could work if it was like the other continent on regatha because apparently <laughs> that's the fire world when maro said that i guess guess it is yeah well you have to have the full cycle of five continents yeah so there's going to be the water continent. I guess that wouldn't really be a continent. So the thing I wanted to mention is uh, Saskia and Lycia are both, apparently, they, they their bios seem to match up, and it implies a uh, that there's like a Wode world. Wode is the kind of face makeup that was used by a lot of like Gallic uh, and Celtic traditions. The one thing I want to note is I used to call Saskia Viking, but I think realistically she's more Gallic. I've I've learned a lot more about the Gauls since then, <laughs> and the the conflict between like a Roman Empire and a Gallic culture would make a lot more sense than, or a Celtic culture would make a lot more sense than Vikings. Like Vikings are kind of an offshoot kind of like the 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 Celts in Ireland are because they're you know kind of the far flung version of this uh this this Gallic culture but I think that would be really interesting to see though. I think that it would be cool to have like a more realistic Europe world like European fantasy has been done but it's always just very like generic just very generic like medieval tapestries. I'd like to see something that was a little more creative. Okay, um Every time, Jay, you said Gallic, my brain parsed it as colic, and now I'm just imagining, like, crying sick baby world. <laughs> and that's very bad. That That's scarier than Nuphorexia. And honest, honestly, I'm, I'm too disturbed to continue this episode, and I think we should just shut this down. Let's move on to final thoughts. My final thought is I am still waiting on the Link's Awakening remake's release date. But I am very excited for Mario Maker 2. And uh, if you want to venture into my death traps, which I construct like um, like the horror movie Cube, room to room, uh, like a 
make sure to follow me on Twitter and I will post the levels I make uh, in that game. Lorelai? My final thought is pretty simple. I just hope everyone is enjoying Modern Horizons preview so far. And people told me that I was not hyping this set enough, which I find hard to believe, but it really is awesome. And I hope I I hope everyone is loving this set as much as I am because it's super duper cool. Every card is just neat in its own little way. My final thought is that I want more elves, and I'm very sad that Dana Fisher's um, Twitter got taken down so that her preview has been pushed to 28th, because that probably means that we're not getting that elf spoiler until then, which makes me very sad. Um, so Twitter, get your, your stuff together, because I almost curse because I really want to. And it also, I'm very sad that we didn't get more elves. Um, thus far and that it's not big enough to be one of the um, archetypes in drafts but hey you never know regardless the set still looks awesome even though i don't see enough elves yet but there's still time yet so we'll see Uh, my final thought is uh now that we're thinking about like the viking world so here's my idea of how it happens so i think that it's going to be uh actually and i can't believe i'm saying this the return of bolus the main character is going to be Sarkon, who is there. Uh, he's like the chosen one. Um, he gets captured when he arrives on the plane, um, and he's going to be uh, wrongfully executed. Um, and then suddenly, Bolus appears and destroys the town. Oh, now this is a game I can't get into. Um, and then he has to go on this this quest and just randomly become the leader of various factions and cities. And there's a civil war for some reason. Just tell me how much lettuce he has. A lot a, a lo- a of lot. lettuce. Okay. And cheese. And he eats a lot of I cheese. I feel like our co-host may not have grabbed onto the Skyrim yet. I don't play Skyrim, but I know Ashley, and I understood where she was going with this. And just let her continue. Let her have this. Gary, what's your final thought? My final thought is, at Adobe, I know my copy of Photoshop is not genuine. You can top. You can stop asking me to verify it. I am uninstalling you soon enough. My post will be made elsewhere. Carrie, I have a question for yes. you. Yes. Is piracy good? Yes. W- would you download a car? <sighs> yes. Oh, well, then, then that makes that makes all your all your shade at Adobe perfectly fine. Have you seen the car torrent that was like multiple terabytes? <laughs> And just, like, nobody knew what it was because nobody was bold enough to actually download it and see what the car was. But you could download a car, apparently. We have now put ourselves in a situation where I just have no segue into the end of this episode. <laughs> so I'm just going to just go into it. If you love our show, which I hope you do, all you listeners out there, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast and support us today. Everyone who supports us on Patreon will get access to our Discord server where we have Orthoses from around the world hanging out and having fun, enjoying preview seasons, talking about story, posting pet pictures. They're very adorable. Come look at them. At higher tiers, you can get access to a monthly shorter bonus episode called Pull from the Deep. This month is very exciting. We are uh, 
doing a small little feature with uh, Jay and I talking about the um, manifestations of kaiju in the multiverse in honor of Godzilla King of the Monsters coming out at the end of this week. I'm so excited, like way more excited for this movie than I was for Endgame or Detective Pikachu. Like this is my movie of the year. I've been waiting. Got five years now since the last Godzilla for it. So if you want to get in on that tier level, go check out that episode. We do uh, one of those every month where we just like talk about like a random thing that intersects with magic. It's fun. And then at our highest tier level, you can become a live listener. So we record our podcasts Thursday nights at around 7 to 730 uh, Eastern time. So if you're in the live listen tier, you can hop on our Discord server, hop in a chat room, listen to us live, which gets you the episode a couple days early, gets you some chatter before and during and after the show. So it's a lot of bonus content. So if you love our show and that's something you want to get in on, head over to Patreon and uh, check it out. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.